Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Hey, welcome to Leading Simple. I'm your host, Rusty George. And this week, we are still celebrating Easter, even though that happened last weekend. And maybe you missed a weekend service. Maybe you missed our weekend service. And so I just wanted to take a moment and replay for you the service that we did, specifically the message and tell you that God just did some incredible things through that message. And we saw so many people get baptized. It was so encouraging and so exciting. So many life changes began. And maybe that's going to happen for you. And if it does, at the conclusion of this podcast, would you let me know? You can DM me at Rusty L. George on Instagram, on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you as we continue to celebrate the life change that the resurrection brings for us. Here we go. Hey, happy Easter, everybody. Great to see you. Welcome, everybody inside, those of you outside, those many of you watching online right now. If you are new, welcome. We're so glad that you chose to be with us this Easter. If you are like feeling like you're new because it's your first time back in the building since our little two weeks of COVID two years ago, um, we are so glad that you are back. Welcome home. And if you brought a guest with you, thank you for trusting us with your friend. And make sure you stop by the Connection Center and get their free gift for them here in just a minute. I just really believe there's no better weekend for all of us to make a decision regarding Jesus than Easter weekend. No better weekend to make a decision to change your life or change the direction of your life or go all in with Jesus than this particular weekend. And we're going to see that here in just a few moments when some people get baptized. And I just want to tell you right now, this is an invitation to everybody, whether you have signed up for that or not, this may be your time to say yes to taking that step to Jesus. And even if you're somebody who's walked in here or you've, uh, you're watching online right now and you kind of got both feet on the brake right now when it comes to faith and when it comes to Jesus. Maybe you're just here because somebody promised you dinner afterwards, or you might meet somebody cute or something like that. Uh, maybe you were here because you were threatened and you thought, I could have an hour of boredom versus a week of the silent treatment, and you went with the hour of boredom. I think it's going to be better than that. And I think that you're not here by accident. So here's what we know about Jesus. No one disputes if Jesus was a real person and changed our world. I mean, no credible historian questions the existence or the impact of Jesus. 2,000 years of art and books and literature and film and music and even our calendar denotes when Jesus came to earth. His love, his life were that impactful. The only question is, the only disputable thing is, can Jesus change your life? And I believe that he can. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in others' lives. And I just believe that following Jesus makes you better at life and makes life better. And let's be honest, life is hard. I mean, there are just some really difficult things we walk through. And I really believe following Jesus can change everything. Now, the problem is, is that most of us kind of miss some of the things that Jesus said. We just miss it. Have you ever seen those things where you just kind of look at it and go, how did somebody miss that? Uh, that happens a lot when churches decide to put signs up. Um, I came across this when a church decided to help the homeless by giving eggs, Easter eggs, to the homeless. And you could sign up to participate. Check out this. You could eggthehomeless.com. Um, <laughs> 
That's great. All right. So happy Easter. Uh, this church decided to promote that Christ was risen. They've got a banner, and apparently Chris is too. Okay. So, hey, Chris is back. Welcome home, Chris. Good. And this church, I don't know what's going on, but I want no part of it right there. Okay. So, wow. How do you miss that one, right? Looks good to me. Roll it. Um, I mean, some things, <laughs> they're just hard to see, right? You just miss them. Now, there is a, 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 a study going on at UCSB right now where they're talking about this very thing of us missing things that are rather obvious. And I want to show you a picture here in just a second of a messy bathroom. And when I count to three, we're going to throw it up on the screen. And when we do, I want you to find the toothbrush, okay? Here we go. One, two, three. Boom. Found it. Good for you. Did anybody notice the big blue toothbrush in the back there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we didn't see that one, right? All right. Now, here, here's what uh, the UCSB is, is discovering. It's something that they refer to as inattentional blindness. It's the surprising failure to notice something that's really obvious. In fact, what they're discovering is that we miss it because it's bigger than our expectations. Our attention becomes too focused on something else. Did you know that on the very first Easter, the followers of Jesus suffered from inattentional blindness? In fact, when Jesus rose from the grave, nobody believed it was going to happen. In fact, if you're skeptical of the Bible, this should be a reason why you would trust the, the biographies about Jesus, because these guys let you know we didn't believe it was going to happen. In fact, when they wrote it down, they put that in the story. You would probably leave that out if you're making this up. But Jesus told them on three separate occasions what's about to happen. Take a look at this. Jesus said this months before he was crucified. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. Then he gets real specific. At the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. He tells them everything that's going to happen. And yet, on Saturday, after Jesus was crucified, nobody's waiting by the tomb. On Sunday morning, before the sun comes up, nobody's outside of the tomb going, 10, 9, 8. No one believed it. Everybody missed it. And they were all hiding up in a room because they were afraid they would be killed next. Yet, after the resurrection, not only did they believe, all of them gave their lives to share that good news and died horrific deaths because they would not stop talking about what they knew to be true. Now, Easter changed their life, and I believe it has the potential to change your life as well. Because of what Jesus did, it proves what Jesus said. In fact, we like to say around here all the time that if you have the ability to predict your own death, burial, and resurrection, and then pull it off, we're going to believe everything else that you have to say. And Jesus did that, even though so many missed it. Now, Jesus said some incredible things, things we're still unpacking and, and things that we're still trying to wrap our minds around and things that we're still putting on wall art at Hobby Lobby. But one thing I want to drill down on today that Jesus said that I think has the potential to change your life is this phrase right here. And when you see a bold word, let's say it out loud together. Here we go. 
Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, this is a powerful statement. Maybe you've even heard this before. But there's probably something about Easter that we've been overlooking or missing or a little bit of intentional blindness. So let's walk through these words together. We're going to walk backwards through it. Let's start with the word life. What does that mean? Does that mean eternal life? Yes. But not just that. Life that can start now. In fact, take a look at what Jesus says about the life that he offers. He says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. In other words, if you think following Jesus is to be boring and you're mad all the time and sad all the time and just waiting for Jesus to return, you've found the wrong Christians. Because following Jesus is to be a life that is filled with adventure. But the problem is most of us aren't experiencing that right now, are we? In fact, let's just talk about our current world that we live in right now. We are so filled with this feeling of fear and being overwhelmed and anxious and depressed. For most of us, it's debilitating. In fact, scientists say and studies show that the level of anxiety that most of us live with every day, that would have got you institutionalized back in the 60s. And this is what we're carrying around. And this is what our kids are carrying around. And so what we're going to do is, starting next weekend around here, we're going to take five weeks, and we're going to talk about how God wants to rewire our brains so we begin to lose some of that anxiety. And so we're going to do this series called Mastermind. And even if you're visiting right now and you live somewhere else, you can watch it online. I'm going to invite everybody back next week because this series is for anybody who's ever felt anxious, depressed, or overwhelmed, or fearful. And if you say that you've not experienced those, then we're going to start another series after that on lying, okay? (laughs) Because all of us have faced that before. So we're doing that next week, and we're going to talk more about this whole idea of the life. But what about that other word? The truth. What does that mean? Well, Jesus gives us this nugget of truth. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Now, that's a pretty bold statement. In fact, that's a statement a lot of people have tried to research to figure out what does that really mean? One guy is somebody who's been here before to talk to us, a guy that used to be a cold case detective. He's been on Dateline many times. He worked with the LAPD. And he was a cold case detective and also an atheist. His name's Jim Wallace. And his wife became a Christian, which really messed up his life. Because now he thought, well, I got to figure out if this stuff's even true. So he told her, I'm going to use my detective skills and research the resurrection like it's a crime scene to see if it ever even happened. And after a few years of investigation, he became a Christian because he found the truth. I had a chance to interview him recently in a podcast, and you can check that out at rlc.is slash coldcase for more information on that. But here's the one that I think we struggle with the most, and it's the one that I think we have the most inattentional blindness to, and it's the first word. And that's when Jesus says, I am the way. What does that mean? Well, back on Christmas Eve, if you were with us then, uh, I talked about how the manger actually kind of casts a shadow of the cross. 
And so I did something that was way out of my comfort zone. I, I, I built a little manger on stage, and then I took it apart, and I built it into a cross. And, and some of you were so nervous for me that entire time, and I really appreciate that. Our staff was wagering if I was going to you know, mess the whole thing up. Uh, and some of you were real kind and said, I wanted to see if you hit your thumb with a hammer to see what you would say. So thank you for your confidence. But we pulled it off, and then I got to thinking about this. While the manger kind of casts a shadow of the cross, the cross actually leads to something as well, which has a lot to do with this phrase, the way. The cross actually creates a door to God that allows us to get to God and God to get to us because our sin had created a barrier between us and a perfect God. And Jesus says, I am the way. To life after death, yes. To forgiveness and grace, yes. To freedom from your hurts, your habits, and your hangups. Jesus says, I am the way to God, and not just God, but your heavenly Father, which if the word Father makes you have all kinds of bad ideas and memories, Think of your vision of a perfect father, one that is loving and gracious and forgiving and accepting and protecting. Jesus says, that's God the Father. That's your heavenly father. And I am the way for you to get to God and God to get to you. The problem is, is that most of us can't really see this sign because we deal with inattentional blindness. And for most of us, we see a different sign on this door. So let me take just a few moments here, and I want to walk through some other signs that we might see, and you just kind of decide which is your sign. For some of us, it's this sign, members only. And we kind of think about this whole thing of Jesus and God and church and faith and all that as that's for people that have been doing this their whole life, a members only kind of thing. A few years ago, I decided it was time for me to start playing golf. And so I began playing golf with some friends who've been playing their entire lives. I discovered I am way out of my league. I mean, these guys are really good, and I'm just trying to figure out what to do. In fact, when you play golf with me, you will usually end up saying something like this. I have never seen that before. <laughs> it's a very common refrain when you play golf with me. And uh, in fact, just one time I, I, I hit the ball and I felt really good about it. And I just, I hit this ball so low, it drilled a goose that was just standing there. And it didn't kill him. It hit him in the side. He just kind of shook it off and walked on like, yeah, I was prepared for that. And then I thought, wow, I can't believe that. And then I walked up and I hit the ball again. I kid you not, hit another goose. Okay, two different gooses. That is what's called a double birdie. Okay, right there. So... I really began to figure out, these guys have been playing their whole life. I'm just starting this game. I am way out of my league. And this is what a lot of us kind of feel like when it comes to God. We feel like, yeah, everybody else, they've been doing this a long time. You've been following God. You've been going to church. You've read the Bible. I don't know any of that. In fact, I, I know I'm not welcome there. I know that I'm not good enough. I mean, if you knew the things that I've done, if you knew my 20s or my college age years or last night, there's no way I would be allowed in. Did you know when you read the stories about Jesus, nobody ever cleaned up their act before they came to him? They came to him because he can help with their messes and their past 
and their life. The only way past your shame is with Jesus. Grace is on the other side of this door. Here's another sign that a lot of us guys kind of wrestle with. All right, let's just be honest. You kind of think that this whole church thing is just for women and children, all right? Your wife goes to church. You're here because you were threatened. I get it. I mean, you just feel like you just kind of feel out of place, like this is not a place for you. It's a little bit like when you accidentally walk into the women's restroom and you're kind of like, oh, there's no urinals in here. <gasps> oh, yeah. You just, you don't fit. And you feel like that's what following Jesus is all about. And you feel like, I don't necessarily want to go feelings first into anything. And church feels like a feelings kind of place. Because men, we tend to act first and feel second. And women do just the opposite. And yet, when Jesus dealt with this one individual by the name of Peter, this guy looks at Jesus and says, I can't be around you. I've got, a, I've got a filthy mouth. In other words, he's thinking about how he feels around Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and he says, follow me. Act first. The feelings will catch up later. Adventure is on the other side of this door. And it's not just for women and children. It's for you as well. Here's another sign that a lot of us have, well, we've seen this one a lot over the last couple of years. <laughs> Face masks required. You know what I loved about this sign? We all agreed on how wonderful it was, didn't we? We just loved it. You know, the sign of, that was a joke. I, I thought that was really funny. The face mask required is really more of, have you ever said this phrase before? I, I, I don't like church because it's full of hypocrites, right? Because we think that people that show up at church uh, basically act one way on Sunday and then act another way in the rest of the week. Maybe you grew up with that. Maybe that was your history of church experience. Maybe that was a history of a, of a step-parent or, or a friend in your life. And you think, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I'm not going there. I'm not putting on a mask. Or maybe you think, I can't fake it because I'm a mess. I'm a wreck. And I can't act like I got it all together. Can I give, give you some really good news? Look at what Jesus says here. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. In other words, you don't have to act like your life is perfect. This is not Instagram. You're not impressing anybody. Just be you. Here's, here's another one that we kind of wrestle with, and that is dress code required. Now, we don't have a dress code here at the church, but obviously you've been in places where there's a sign that says dress code required. There are two kinds of people in the world. The kind of person that sees dress code required and no matter what they're wearing, they think, I'm a, I'm a mess. There's no way I can go in there. And then the other person that looks at themselves and says, I'm good. You know, tank top, flip-flops, I'm good. Fancy like that. I can just roll right in. In fact, I saw this picture. Of, this was a place where suits were required. Take a look at these. Yeah, the bear suit. Absolutely. And we tend to do this with God. Some of us think, you know what? I'm a mess. I'll never get in. And others, we kind of think, I'm good. I mean, a lot of us kind of approach this sign with God like, I'm good enough. We think that doing good things will make us good enough to get beyond that door. Can I give you some really bad news? Good people don't go to heaven because heaven's a perfect place and good is not good enough. In fact, if good people went to heaven, uh, we would all wonder, am I good enough? And that would be an exhausting way to live. 
And it's why many of us feel so exhausted in life. And you might, in your mind, have this thought, when I stand before God after I die, I will talk my way in. I will prove to him how good I was. I was at least better than, and you've got a name in mind. But good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. Forgiven people go to heaven. Because there's no amount of good deeds that gets you beyond that door. How are we forgiven? By accepting what Jesus has done for us. It's almost like when you roll into that restaurant and they say, jacket required, I don't have one. They bring one out and give you one. That's what Jesus has done for you. You just have to choose to put it on. In fact, look how Jesus talks about this. Maybe the most famous verse in the Bible. God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. We often stop there. But take a look at the next two verses. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust in him has long since been under that death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind son of God when introduced to him. Good people don't go to heaven, forgiven people do. Can I give you the good news? Forgiveness is available to all. What we're about to witness with people getting baptized is them receiving that forgiveness. It's them being clothed with the righteousness of God. Forgiveness is on the other side of that door. Let me give you another door. This is one that, if you think about it, a lot of us kind of believe in, and this just simply means one of many doors. Here's what I mean by this. Jesus is one of many ways to God. And when you hear Jesus say, I am the way, you think, yeah, 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 one of the ways, right? I mean, maybe you've got your religious past and maybe it's involved things anywhere from the Buddha to Muhammad to Joseph Smith. Maybe you've got a blend of spirituality you're kind of putting together on your own. It's got some, some you know, inspirational phrases and some spirituality and some crystals. But Jesus does not say, I am one of the ways. He says, I am the way. In other words, there's not a multitude of doors. There's just one. A couple weeks ago, I had an opportunity to go speak for a friend at his church, and his church is outside of Cleveland, Ohio. So I had to fly into Cleveland. You ever been to Cleveland? Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I wasn't thrilled about it either, okay? But I knew there was one thing in Cleveland that I was excited to see, and that is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I thought that would be really cool to see. And so I looked at my flight. I got in at 3.30 on Saturday afternoon, and I thought, I'll roll over and see the Hall of Fame, do the tour. That'll be great. And go, you know, to the hotel and the next morning teach at this guy's church. Well, I looked online, and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame closes at 5 o'clock. Does that sound like rock and roll to you, okay? It should open at five and be open all night, right? But no, it closes at five. And so I'm talking to my buddy about this and I'm just kind of laughing about it. You know, just saying, I can't believe they close at five o'clock. And he said, oh, I didn't know that, yeah. He calls me back a couple days later, like two days before I'm set to leave to fly out there. And he says, hey, um, I, I know a guy that is going to let you in to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame after you get there. I said, excuse me? In the history of I know a guy conversations, none has been as good as this. You know a guy that's got a key to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah, he's going to let you in. You can take the tour. It'll be great. Yeah, I'm in on that. 
Now, let me, let me just say this. What if, for instance, I got there, got off the plane, got the rental car, drove over to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, walked up to the door where he is opening the door for me, and I looked at him and I said, I'm going to check a different door. I'm going to look somewhere else, see if I can go in that way. He would look at me and think, you're an idiot. And then he would think, this is the only door open for you. When Jesus says to us, I am the way, he's not saying I'm one of many ways. He's saying, I'm the only one coming for you. Everybody else is just guessing. Jesus actually said, I am God. I am the way. In other words, truth and life is on the other side of this door. Which leads us to this. There is really only one sign that should be hung on this door, which is the sign, Welcome Home. Welcome home to all who are tired and weary and broken. Welcome home to the anxious and the depressed and the hurting. Welcome home to those who are on top of the world and those who feel like the world's on top of them. Welcome home to the prodigal and the prodigy. Welcome home to the wanderer and the doubter and the skeptic and those walking through the door with fingers crossed. Welcome home to the clean and sober and those who are still hungover. Welcome home to all of us who feel like we're crushing it and those who feel like we're being crushed. This door is a for everyone kind of door. You know, over the past few weeks, we've been seeing the horrific images coming out of the Ukraine and just images of hospitals and schools and communities just leveled because of war. And it reminded me of a story that I read a few years ago about an earthquake that just absolutely devastated an Armenian community. This earthquake was an 8.2 magnitude, and in the course of about four minutes, 30,000 people were killed. One casualty was an elementary school. And right after the earthquake, parents and police and firefighters flooded to the site of that elementary school and began looking for any survivors, and they didn't find anything. They couldn't get below the rubble. But then, one father showed up, and he had been running, doing his very best to get there, and he finally got there, and he went past everybody else to go to the back of the school where he knew his son's classroom was and just start digging as much as he could. People tried to pull him away, saying, listen, we've already looked. There's no hope. It's been too long. And he said, I always told my son I would come for him. I'm not stopping. The police officers tried to pull him away, said, it's too dangerous, you need to get out of here. And he just began digging and digging and digging for 12 hours, and then 18 hours, and then 24, and then 36, just yelling, Armand, Armand. And finally, after that 36th hour, he heard a voice, Daddy. And as he rolled that last stone away, and looked deep into where he could see his son. His son said, I told all the other kids that you would come. Friends, that's the message of Easter. Your father rolled a stone away 
to open a door for you. How about you take him up on that offer? I am the way. Welcome home. So how do we do that? Well, after the first Easter, that's what everybody said as well. How do we make things right with God? And Peter, remember that guy I told you about had the filthy mouth? He ends up telling everybody about Jesus. And here's what he says. He says, here's what you do. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you see it right there. You believe in Jesus. You put your trust in him. You repent of your sin, which just means you acknowledge to God, you know what? I've made my mistakes. I'm going to choose you, choosing that forgiveness you offer, and you get baptized. On your way in, you were given a connection card. If you're watching online, you can fill it out there online, or there's a QR code in front of you on the seat. And on that connection card, you can sign up for great stuff we have going on around here, but you can also say yes to Jesus and begin your spiritual journey. But for a lot of you, it's time to take that next step and to be baptized. Baptism is just basically an outward declaration of an inward decision. Baptism is the symbol of you choosing that new life. Baptism is you going under the water, like kind of being buried like Jesus and coming up again with new life. And some of you were baptized as infants, and I would tell you, you should go home and tell your parents, thank you, because they wanted to put Christ first in your life through that moment. But now, I would encourage you to do what Jesus did, who got baptized as an adult, and he didn't even have sins to be forgiven of. He did it as an example for us. Do it on your own, with your own decision. But then some of you are thinking, I'm not worthy. And guess what? You're not. None of us are. That's what makes it grace. You'll never get to a life without that guilt and shame, without going through that door, through baptism. Hey, thanks so much for listening to our Easter service. Our podcast this month is sponsored by Best Christian Workplace Institute, a great resource to help change the culture of your workplace. Whether you're a 501c3, whether you're a church, a nonprofit of some sort, or you just want to make your culture better where you work, they can help. Go to bcwinstitute.org and find out more. What a great, great organization that can help you. bcwinstitute.org. Hey, next week we'll be back with brand new content and one of our favorite guests on the podcast, Brian Dodd, is returning. He has a huge blog called the Brian Dodd Leadership Blog. He has interviewed some of the best and the brightest. He's a a student of coaches and sports and athletics, and he's got a new book out teaching us great leadership principles from the last year. It's so good. So make sure you're back with us next week for our next episode with my friend, Brian Dodd. Well, until then, keep it simple and we will talk to you next week. Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you'll get it delivered every week. And subscribe to the Rusty George YouTube channel for more devotionals, messages, and fun videos. Thank you for listening to Leading Simple.